We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. As usual, stay tuned to the end of the interview where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for the retweets. Thanks for the shares. Thanks for the ratings and reviews. Just thank you so much. Now, on to my guest for today, Michael Epstein, principal at Postpilot, a marketing company that's helping e-commerce use direct mail to scale their businesses. Michael has years of experience in digital marketing, having worked with a variety of big companies. In many of them, direct mail was always part of the equation. What he and his founder of Postpilot realized was that they needed a way for e-commerce to use direct mail more efficiently. Currently, the company offers postcard campaigns for e-commerce companies to encourage customer attention and loyalty. Michael explains how direct mail can be part of a company's strategy to retain customers who are inundated with emails and online advertising. Direct mail allows a brand to reach out in a more personalized way, and it's an approach that's been reliably successful over the desire existence of mail, I guess. <laughs> they are working on developing more tools to help businesses scale while retaining that personalized outreach kind of feel. Now, let's get better together. Michael Epstein, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jordan. Well, I really appreciate uh, you coming on. You're on vacation now, which is super cool that you like spend a little time here with the show. I know everyone that's listening appreciates that. Uh, you're also the first interview of me coming back. So <laughs> please, hopefully I'll do okay. I'm still trying to you know, warm up from my kind of vacation off in Maui, which was, I'm still on island time, it seems. <laughs> For sure. We'll, <laughs> you we'll can power through it. We'll power, we'll power through. This is the best way to do it. Yep. So you've been a, a CMO at eight to nine uh, figure e-commerce companies, 
You're now principal over at Postpilot, which is a direct mail for e-commerce company, SaaS company, and but also physical stuff. Like super cool on what you guys are doing. And I love nothing more than to see sort of things that have been like, oh, that's never going to work. And then, oh my gosh, look, there's data and things work and you know, it's awesome that way. So uh, before we dig into all that and how what you guys are doing um, is so awesome, why don't you uh, tell us how you got to do what you're doing today? Sure. So I've been in e-commerce for over 20 years. As you mentioned, run eight and nine figure brands, uh, typically private equity backed uh, portfolio companies. And I've been digital marketer really my whole career. And I, I still do you know have uh, a lot of confidence in digital marketing. But over the years, we've used direct mail successfully at a lot of these portfolio companies as another channel to, to kind of cut through the digital clutter because we knew we were leaving money on the table by not being able to reach all of our customers by uh, email and, and paid ads were continuing to get expensive. So we were looking for a different way to reach them. And we use direct mail successfully at a number of the brands that I've worked with, but it was clunky. It was just, uh, it was a difficult experience. It was spreadsheets importing and exporting and then finding a print house and getting a graphic designer to put something together. And then tracking was like more spreadsheets of mo- of matchbacks and, and trying to figure out what your ROI was. It was just, it was not easy. And so Myself and my business partner were like, how do we bring the direct mail to the digital age? Because we know it's effective. We got to make it super easy and super trackable um, and allow for a lot of the capabilities that e-commerce marketers are used to, like segmentation. And so that's when we built Postpilot uh, starting about three years ago. And it's it's been a great ride. We just made it uh, a cinch to get started. We've made tracking and segmentation really easy, just like sending an email campaign. And uh, we're seeing great response. So we're excited. Yeah, completely counterintuitive, honestly. <laughs> totally. But, but Which is what I, why I love this stuff, right? Because data is data. It works, doesn't work. I mean, I'm sure for some companies, it may not work. Well, some companies probably works better than others, I can imagine. But Sure. I'm just so fascinated by what was the aha moment on this. I mean, was it like, of course, you got all the results from these other businesses, but that's not an intuitive thing to do, especially from a digital marketing perspective where it's super trackable, you know, pay per click, you know, email campaigns, like you got data out the wazoo. I mean, the only, the only piece of data I ever had on direct mail was from Gary Halbert, right? The famous Gary Halbert with all his letters and stuff. Yeah, And, yeah, it, totally. you know, in his, in his book, The Boron Letters, which I highly recommend everyone read, <clears throat> he was like, well, you know, decent list is a 1% re- response rate and a hot list is 5%. And like, that's all the data. <laughs> Right. That's it. Right. Now it seems you could do a lot more. So curious, like, I know you, you said, you mentioned briefly the aha moment of, oh, this is getting results, but can you take us through like a specific company, specific kind of test case where you said, why not try it and see what happens? Yeah, absolutely. And I think to your, to your point today, especially you have to zig a little bit when everyone else is zagging because competition is just continuing to increase. You have 
you know, like Andrew Chen's kind of seminal article on law of shitty click throughs where everything people just find a channel and then they just saturate the heck out of it and prices continue to go up uh, and and uh, ROI continues to kind of be challenged. So for us, it was that aha moment was we're working with one brand and we set up all these great email flows, triggered emails, great segmentation, um, you know, great lifecycle marketing strategy. And then we would look at the open rates and we'd see, you know, for this one Jeep company in particular, uh, Jeep accessories uh, company, it was, you know, we, we did all this work and then we look at the open rates and it's like 20%. And we're like, okay, but what about the other 80% of customers that we know are really um, responsive, they're active, they're engaged, and they are really relevant to this campaign that we've built, but they're not even seeing the email because you know 80% of your list is either not subscribed or they're just ignoring or deleting the emails without even reading them. So we were like, we're leaving this money on the table. And so what's a channel that we think can help supplement uh, this uh, this campaign and reach them in an in, in incremental way and generate incremental ROI from our existing customer base. Because also we know how much we paid to acquire those customers and it's a lot. So the, the profits are coming from the repeat business where we're not paying up to acquire them all over again. And so in order to reach them, we started exploring other channels and direct mail was one that we tested out. We said, we've got this audience that's segmented. We know what they purchased already. Let's send them a campaign, uh, a postcard that's personalized with a coupon code to get them to come back, just like the email had in it. And we saw a great ROI. I mean, the, the return on ad spend was something like 15X. And we're like, wow, this is... One five. I heard that yeah. right. One yeah. five. Wow. So it wow. was a, it was a great campaign, and then it was okay. But to do this at scale, you know, it was it was still manual work, a lot of manual work, and a lot of back and forth, and it just wasn't efficient. And that's when we really decided we've got to build this platform that makes it as easy as sending an email campaign and as trackable as sending email. And um, that was that was such a a turning point, I think. Uh, e-commerce stores have have embraced that. I mean, they they love the the capability and um, and they love being able to segment and see the results of different audiences and who responds best, and then continue to optimize just like they do their their Facebook ad campaigns, just like they do their email campaigns. But it's just really incremental uh, revenue from your existing customer base that was previously ignoring a lot of the messages you were sending them or the, the ads that you were trying to serve through their newsfeed. Hmm. Do you think this is like a, like an age thing too, or do you, cause I'm curious about like who responds to a postcard, right? I mean, I mean, me personally, like I only check my, my mail because it overflows <laughs> yeah. like, like eh, whatever. And I know my, my mom who's, you know, uh, uh, she's a, well, she's 78. So, I mean, she goes through her mail, like it's religion. <laughs> so sure. I'm just curious if it's, if it's a demographic thing or is it because, I mean, my guess is for repeat, this is a repeat customer thing, like doing this cold outreach, probably not a good idea. Um, but it seems like it's a strengthening mechanism, if, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, absolutely. And our primary focus is on customer retention mm-hmm. because you can segment your existing customer base based on all sorts of behavior, purchase history. They bought jeans. Now let's get them an incentive to come back and get a t-shirt. That's where you can get a great response and great incremental revenue and profits. But to your point about kind of demographics, you know, it's surprising. Even millennials and younger demographics today, they're they're some of the ones that respond least to to email because they're just interesting. They, interesting. You know, they're just kind of uh, they're they're accustomed to just getting spammed, and their inboxes are just overflowing with messages from brands. And so, really, it, it actually runs the gamut in terms of demographics. We see great responses to brands that are catering to a much younger demographic middle age, uh, older, there there hasn't really been uh, a lot of data from the tons of campaigns that we've sent to suggest that there's a particular demographic that doesn't respond very well. It's typically more about the product and the Mm. offer that you have. So Mm. you mentioned earlier, you know, what types of products uh, lend themselves to it. And it's typically ones that where there would be some natural inclination to make a subsequent purchase. So consumable right. type items. We have supplement brand, a ton of supplement brands and food and beverage type brands that just kill it because they're these are customers that are on kind of a natural rep- replenishment cycle. But when they go off track, it's easy to just set a trigger that's like, we expect you based on the amount that we're sending you to repurchase within 30 or 60 days. If you go... 35 days without reordering, we need to make sure to get you on track because we we're you're about to defect. And if we lose you, if it goes much longer, we're likely to lose you for good. If you can get that customer back on track and back on their regular order cycle, it's worth a ton. And we have, you know, cosmetic brands um, and even clothing brands where there's a a wide assortment and, and you're likely to get repeat, repeat purchases out of that. They do, uh, really well. And, and um, it, the, the inbox is just, it's, it's so flip-flopped, right? So the <laughs> it's totally is, saturated. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. The email inbox is just, you know, where messages go to die and kind of get ignored and deleted. But when something comes in the mail, even for the younger generation, you look at it. Uh, you know, it's, it's a, there's plenty of people with that still have the stack of Bed Bath Beyond coupons sitting there. Oh, the, the, I mean, I was going to say, I mean, like the traditional funny, yeah, the, the Bed Bath and Beyond coupons that never expire. I mean, it's just right. insane what those guys do. And I mean, every time I've been to Bed Bath and Beyond, like everyone's like flopping through the coupon. Oh, I got the rest. Oh, here's the $30 one. Here's the $50 one. And I, I'm assuming it works because I mean, everyone there has got these coupons. Sure. But it's there's been kind of studies that show that receiving a piece of personalized direct mail and we do individually personalize each piece of mail, so it's not just a generic yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. that goes out. It's perceived more like a gift. So we had a clothing brand that we sent. We had a triggered postcard campaign and it went out, and they actually got a letter back from one of their customers thanking them for sending them the postcard and just acknowledging that, like hearing from companies that they do business with and that sort of personalized, tangible way is so uncommon these days. That's what delivers the surprise and delight factor that creates memorable touch points and relationships with your customers and gets them thinking about you and coming back. 
I like that term surprise and delight because I think you're right. The world's so saturated. There's a lot of transactional stuff going on, right? Like, you know, and I understand that, like, look, you're trying to scale your SaaS or your e-commerce or whatever, but the brands that surprise and delight and have a long-term relationship, those are the ones I want to do business with. I mean, it's just so powerful to have that personal connection. I think that's the reason why, you know, email, well, so email is essentially free to send, right? Whereas yep. postcard costs you money. So someone spent money to interact with you as opposed to, and, and of course, email is quote unquote free. It's not hundred percent free, but sure. it ain't 25 cents or 19 cents to send an email. It's tens, hundreds of a penny and the, the customization factor is just, yeah, it's not there. I mean, I th- think that's the reason why when you see some of these sort of outreach tools or like MailChimp, I think Mail doesn't MailChimp now do postcards? I thought they, they did start adding. Postcard yeah, I, 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 I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I think like, I first saw that. Yeah. Um, but you're right. And that's kind of why we also focus more on the retention side. We have some on a roadmap. There are a number of things that are going to get. Uh, go a little more towards the prospecting route. But yeah, if you're just sending out postcards, cold postcards to a demographic audience or something like that, it's going to be tough. But but in terms of deepening the relationship with your existing customers and triggering them to come back and make subsequent purchases and help stay top of mind in a way that is is truly memorable, um, you know, they work extraordinarily well. I think you were alluding to it earlier. You've in this world of digital overload, you've kind of, you kind of have to have a surprise and delighted experience unless you're going to pay, you know, for brand ads, the way that big brands do, where they're just kind of beating you over the head, you know, a Coca-Cola, Procter and Gamble brands, things like that, where they're, they're paying up to keep top of mind. The way, the shortcut to do that is just create these more memorable, delightful moments with your customers. It's going to help you stay top of mind without having to just continuously beat them over the head with ads, uh, branding ads. Totally. Totally. I mean, it's so interesting because, you know, I consult a lot with, with startups through through my firm. Right. And usually they're pre-seed seed or series A, usually the tough part, like the, Oh my gosh, we're in the trough of sorrow. We're here to die. We don't know what the hell we're doing. You know, it's like, it's really challenging. It's the scale, right. Product market fit you know, MVP, product market fit, scale, like that transition is super tough. And usually the predominant wisdom or the, you know, the tea leaves is like, oh, you just got to raise a bunch of money to do digital ads and you got to do all these sort of things. And that's just stuff never works because you can't keep up with the scale of like you said, a Google, a Coca-Cola, whatever, that unless you've got millions to spend on that, you can never out arbitrage them. They will always crush you. Right. Yep. So now you got to be really innovative and you got to tell a better story and you got to do things like what you guys are doing, especially once you have a customer, boy, the ROI on keeping the customer upselling. That's why I'm always like, when I talk to these, these folks, these founders, I'm like, look, yeah, you've got one product, but you got to keep on making other products that your customers that love you want to buy more of because that's the best ROI you can ever get is this loyal customer that just loves you and also tells all their other friends, Hey, this is a great thing. So. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It is so hard to make that connection. 
we, we, I mean, we really believe that exactly as you described, and that drives a lot of our product roadmap as well. We actually recently acquired a company that has robotic handwriting technology. Oh yeah. I saw that. That's really cool. Yeah. So it can, it creates completely authentic handwritten cards, pen to paper in a choice of handwriting styles. We can even digitize your own handwriting style. Wow. And it is indistinguishable. The nuance and variation of every letter is completely authentic. The spacing, everything, you it looks great, but it's a way to scale that personalized outreach and personalized relationship building. So to your point, for some of these companies that are looking to grow, they're they're trying to prospect or nurture some of their their leads uh, and and really create that memorable experience, like sending a hand, there's nothing like sending a handwritten note to somebody. Nothing with like a handwritten it. envelope and a, re- and a real stamp. I mean, they get that. They're going to open it. They're going to read it. They're going to remember yeah. that you sent it. Yeah. And we get feedback uh, from, from e-commerce brands all the time that it's, it's allowed them to scale kind of their VIP outreach in a right. way that they get such wonderful responses. Uh, we had a, 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 like, it was like a puzzle company, essentially. And... They just started sending handwritten thank you notes every time a customer spent over X amount of dollars total. And they're just, not only are they getting an ROI on it, but they're getting feedback from customers and they're posting on social media, the letters that they got. And it's just a great way to build word of mouth and loyalty. Yeah, totally. I mean, I don't think people appreciate that enough, especially in the whole digital world, right? These yeah. all these are fundamental. The, like this is like the fundamentals of business and marketing and PR and strategic communications, right? It like, is. It it's hard to scale the personal touch. That that's like with outreach. This is another thing that I always get a question on: is hey, how do I scale my outreach efforts for outbound to get you know meetings or like link backs or guest posts or be on a podcast. I think you reached out to me on matchmaker.fm, which is a great platform. I use it all the time, but what's really cool is like, there's an art to this that can't be really scaled. And when you do, if you scale it poorly, if you can tell, if you scale it consistently and you scale it the right way, okay, you can do it, but there's a limit like, well, Maybe not a limit right now. Well, let me put, well, I'm backing myself in the corner now that you've got robots that can write. <laughs> well, that's kind of the point is because there wasn't really a way to do that at right. scale. Right, there right, are companies right. that were doing it manually and and it and they like to create those delightful experiences. And then they just hit a wall because they're like, okay, now we're actually growing. How do we scale this? And that's why we got into that technology specifically because we believe that we want to enable e-commerce stores to be able to scale that type of experience. But if you think you're going to scale infinitely through Facebook ads, I mean, it's just not going to happen. Um, there is, no. You hit that point of diminishing returns really quickly. Uh, and you, know, you, can, you, you can and should continue to use them and optimize them and, and dial them in over time, but it doesn't scale infinitely. And so how else are you going to what other channels are you going to use? And again, the, the easy and obvious paths are easy and obvious to everybody else too. And right. that's what's driving up the cost of them uh, so much. And it just is going to continue to get harder and harder. And then you have the iOS, iOS updates, which make it even harder because now yeah. you're, 
you're even more limited in your ability to retarget uh, your existing customers. Yeah. I mean, storytelling and doing real thoughtful stuff is going to be even more important. Keeping those customers, making them happy, creating advocates for them, having them like promote your brand. And I think it's great. Like to your point, you have a brand, someone, you know, they send a handwritten card. Someone says, oh, look at this cool handwritten card, takes a photo of it, posts it on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, like whatever their demo is. And boom, you just now have something that's like a really memorable moment and you're trying to be as you know authentic as you can. And I, I, I really love that. I really love the fact that it, it's basically back down to the basics of business, right? Like there's nothing, there's no, there's no magic. It's just people seem to want the shortcut, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I get it, right? Like I, uh, don't get me wrong. Who who wouldn't want like massive amounts of leads coming in or like repeat customers? But I think it's got to put in the blue collar work. It's like it's tough. It's hard, and there's no shortcuts. And then when they do find a shortcut, people arbitrage it out, like you said with the ads. Like I, I tend to think that people spend too much money on ads early on because they're trying to validate the market or whatever. Sure, but they end up wasting a ton of money. Not it doesn't work because. They don't have scale. Like it, it's like a, it's almost like a barbell kind of thing. It's like when you're super small, then you get some signal. Then there's a huge, massive dead spot when you're like trying to grow. And then once you get scale, then it's just a money machine, but hard to get there. It is <laughs> really hard to get there. It definitely is. I mean, so, the number one, the greatest salesman in the world, Joe Girard, Guinness Book of World Records uh, as the greatest salesman in the world. He was a car salesman. And how did he do it? He did it. He actually sent a handwritten card to all of his customers every year, uh, just thanking them and wishing them a happy holiday. I think it was 13. He sold what, something like 13,000 cars. Wow. Um, and wow. people would just line up to buy from him. It just was wow. a simple note. Wow. Man, 13,000 cars. Holy cow. Yeah. There's this guy I know. Um, his name is it Joe? I think his name is Joe Moran. I think it was Joe Moran. He, there is a center for entrepreneurship named after him at the at Florida State in Tallahassee. Oh, okay. the only reason I know this is because my cousin's a professor there. I went to visit him, and they're like, "Hey, you should check out this new entrepreneur thing in Tallahassee." I'm like, "Entrepreneur? What in Tallahassee? What <laughs> was this beautiful? It was three story, beautiful building. Like, I mean, Joe Moran." was called Joe Moran was the courtesy man and he sold cars and all this sort of stuff. And he just like, apparently made a mint and <laughs> he had wrote a book and all this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was funny because like, I have another friend, this, this guy, Dalton, he used to sell cars too. And <laughs> the funniest thing is everyone hates like car salesmen that, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's interesting because it's a mindset shift. Like to your point, what he did was something very simple. Like I'm treating you like a human. I don't want to sell you anything. I just want, you know, like I'm truly being authentic. And, you know, even, 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 you know, Dalton says the same thing. He's just like, look, if, if you can't be the, the, the slimy sales guy, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross kind of guy, yep. you have to be like, I'm trying to help you. And what's interesting is that having different modalities to interact with the customer and what you guys are doing over at Postpilot, it's this care and nurturing. And I'm spending my time, which is your most valuable resource, to like think about how to interact with you. I mean, 
it's hard to scale that, but boy, you do it right. You get a lot of loyalty. And it's yeah. interesting that you guys are seeing that same kind of same kind of stuff. Yeah. The easiest way to do it is just what what are some of your best performing e- email campaigns that you're sending right now? Uh, flip them. You can use a lot of the same creative. We actually have professional designers that can help you create the card for free, but you just integrate. If you're on Shopify, there's a native integration for your Shopify store. You just connect it. You can have a, you can just flip that, that email campaign into a postcard campaign using a lot of the same segmentation or filters that you use. We even integrate with a lot of your ESPs like Clavio. Uh, so you can use the segments you've already created. And so if you've got something that's working in email, yeah, how do you make it work better? And so how do you how do you reach the ones that aren't opening and engaging with that email campaign? And this is a really effective and simple way to to start testing that. Yeah, what would you recommend would be the like the sample size for something like that? We usually recommend about a thousand to two thousand people as um, kind of give you a decent baseline. And um, these are typically stores that are doing a, a million dollars plus in annual revenue. So you've got enough kind of customer base and data around what how your customers are behaving to say, and we'll go in and help you take a look at this too and say, here's what, based on what we know and, and see across so many different campaigns, here's what we think is going to work. It's going to be you know, customers go... Uh, 30 days without making another purchase or 60 days without making another purchase based on um, the data, we can trigger something at that point. And uh, it's a win back campaign and we can test different offers to them, see which ones people respond best to, and then just continue to to automate that. So um, anytime someone meets, just like an email, a triggered email campaign, anytime someone new meets that criteria, it automatically fires off one card to them, personalized uh, with that, with that unique offer. Hmm. Interesting. Gosh, super. Wow. So simple. I mean, like how come no one thought of this before? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure people have I me. Mean, MailChimp was trying to do sure. it, but, but, you know, MailChimp's trying to be all pe- all things to all people with, you know, it, it's hard to, it's interesting about what, you know, how, how email has evolved. Right. And I think you brought it up a little bit, like, people's emails are completely smashed with stuff. Now people are like segmenting when they respond to email. Google will filter it to like promotion. So you're just getting all these roadblocks, roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. Some of the, even some of the other ones, like your open rates are going to be skewed because they're just exactly. going to send the trigger, right? They're like, oh, you know, so it's going to be harder. And 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 you, you see this a lot just in general. I mean, a lot of the stuff I do is email based too. And when I, when I look at how, how hard that is, it's like, yeah, I can see it starting to ratchet down a little bit um, in terms of people's attention. Um, but just the, the fact that taking something that, especially for an e-commerce brand that ships you something clearly, like they have your address, they have your yep. name, yep. Um, being able to, to, again, do another a different interactive process where I think it's this multiple touch point thing. I think that's one of the reasons people like apps or people want to down. Like if you have an app, okay, now I've got a direct connection to you. There's really no filter, quote unquote. I mean, the user can 
turn off notifications, but like I'm direct to you. There's no one you've opted in to download my app. And because like for the mail, like you get the mail, no matter what, (laughs) right. I mean, you can not like look at it, but the post office will deliver the card. It will sit there and, you know, interesting. And you're generally flipping through and you're at least skimming each piece of mail that comes in and saying like, this is interesting. This is not. And so when you recognize a piece of mail from a brand you've done business with, typically you're, you're at least looking at it, which is more than you can say about a lot of emails that get deleted or they get, as you said, dumped into the promotions tab and you just kind of, it's kind of becomes a black hole um, and you just don't see it. Uh, This is, you know, we want to just help kind of cut through that, that clutter because it email rate, email engagement rates continue to kind of decline yeah. And CPCs yeah. uh, to retarget or pro- even prospect and retarget on social media are just continuing to Hell go yeah. up. But and and going to be arbitraged out depending exactly. on this iOS update and but tracking. I, my background's in, e- in email too. Like I, I love lifecycle email campaigns. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. And I think the as we talked about earlier, the the turn the the kind of aha moment was we've done all the work. How do we get it how do we get it in front of more people because just not that not a big percentage of of eligible people that are super targeted super relevant or even seeing the message that we're trying to send i mean they've and, done business with you before it's like hey right. like like you want to know like it should be more like 80 percent of them should open the thing not exactly you know, not 20 exactly and the, you mentioned multiple touch points and so even when even customers that are opening your emails and engaging with you. It doesn't, one email typically is, is not enough to drive behavior. Yep. Yep. You need yep. that multi-touch. You need to have the, the retargeting ad or the, the retention ad appearing and, and visible to them a few times. This is going to be another touch point that's, that when you combine with a lot of your digital marketing efforts today, you see the um, the response rate to all of your channels increase because you've got that multi-touch experience. So you're a supplement brand and you are sending emails. Uh, you've got your retargeting ads set up, but you add another, you layer in another cost-effective touch point and you start seeing the ROI across all those channels um, start to go up because they're just having a kind of a compound effect when, when combined with each other. Yeah, there is not one kind of panacea for all this. Right. It definitely seems to be a multi-channel approach. You know, it, I wouldn't say it's back to the Mad Men era, right? Remember, like, right. I always, I always love that because it was like back then it was, you know, Procter and Gamble would just make something, and they'd be like, okay, then we're going to market it, and people are going to buy it because they've got tons of free, you know, like, sure. There was really no competition for it. It was just how do you make it more interesting? I mean, I, I mean, I'm making it simplistic because, of course brands died and things went away, but the traditional sure. model was, you know, print, television, radio, you know, all these things. I, I, I'm curious. I'm curious if you have a take on that, if you have a take on the other media besides, um, well, we talked about email, we talked about mail. Um, I, I, I'm shocked that I sometimes see billboards on the freeway and I'm like, do these really work? Like I, you know, I, I'm skeptic, obviously a little bit skeptical in my opinion, but 
I'm just curious if we're going to go back to kind of the fundamentals, you know, it's this whole digital stuff has been great. Digital is real, really revolutionized things, but it's starting to get, I don't know. I mean, what do you think? Well, you, you brought up an interesting point um, when even going back to that, that older era where it brands could release products and you had limited shelf space and, and everyone bought by going into a store and you only had a certain amount of options to choose from. And if a big brand introduces a new product and they have a relationship with distribution, they're pretty much assured that they're going to get it in front of their customers. Uh, and you just don't have a ton of choices. So now you have unlimited choices, essentially, in nearly every product category. And it's so different in terms of what you need, how you need to market to customers today to stand out uh, and to, to keep them loyal to your brand when they've got so many other options to, to choose from or defect to over time. I mean, we worked with a, a cosmetics brand that um, caters to a specific demographic. It's typically uh, middle-aged women. And you know, how many cosmetic brands are out there and yes. they many, so many they built their business through Facebook ads and they mm-hmm. they were at the forefront of of Facebook ads when like D2C was still that new that new channel and they crushed it and they grew tremendously and they they're still like masters at Facebook ads but over time that cosmetics brand sees their their ROAS and their CPCs and their click-through rates continue to deteriorate because now they're not, I mean, they're, they're certainly not alone. I mean, they, no. and when you've got high margin products like, like cosmetics or food and supplements and things like that, you know, the, the appetite to go on to Facebook and drop a ton of money is huge because you think you've got the margin to support it, but all it's doing is driving up costs for everybody. Yeah. 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 You got, Everyone's targeting that same demographic that this cosmetics brand was targeting. It's a it's a primary demographic of women, yep. you know, of a certain at a certain age. And so, you know, what worked for the, for a few years and got them to a certain point, uh, it starts to hit that wall and, and point of diminishing returns pretty you know aggressively at this point. And so, how else did do they ensure that their customers are not defecting? And they you know they got something like a 20, 21X ROAS, something like that on, on a retention campaign to customers that went beyond the expected timeframe for repurchasing their next uh, lipstick product. Wow. They know that these customers buy on a pretty regular cycle. If they fall off, they got to get them back on really quick or they risk losing. They'll go somewhere yeah, they'll go somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. And that value, that lifetime value is so critical because they can't be profitable on, at this point on their fir- on initial customer acquisition. The, the the competition has just gotten to the point where they just assume that they're going to lose money on the on the first order, and if they don't get repeat orders from that customer and increase the LTV, you know they've got no business anymore. Right, 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 right. Oh, good point. It's going to think it's going to it's more and more going down to that. It seems like it's really about customer acquisition on the first sale, delighting them, as you say, you know, surprise and delight. And then the retention campaign seems to where all the magic's going to happen or where it does like needs to happen. Yeah. Because, because once you have someone 
the, the interaction with your brand buy something from you. It's, it's a lot easier to get them to buy again. I mean, that's like a proven kind of thing. But the other thing is, is there's so much choice out there, like you mentioned, that they're, if they're fickle. So if you don't, right. if you don't, if you're not top of mind, it's like, oh, going to go like, oh, another sale or whatever, you know. They can eat. Yeah. Too easy to be persuaded to go in a different direction. And it's too easy if you don't have a retention strategy in place to increase the LTV and you're competing with someone that does, yeah, they can yeah. afford to outbid you and you cannot win yeah. on customer acquisition. If there's other companies and competitors in your market that say, we know how much we can afford to lose on that first order because we've got such a, reten- a customer retention strategy in place. We know what that LTV looks like over three months, over six months, over a year that we know if we acquire a customer at this cost, even if it's even if we're losing money, we're confident that we can come out ahead. If you don't have that that strategy in place and your and your competitors do, you cannot win on the customer acquisition side because they are always going to outbid you. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That, that, that stuff's so cutthroat now. Yeah. As you mentioned, I mean, I think that's what's interesting about actual physical mail. It's you can't really price up the cost of it. I mean, it's set by the federal government roughly, right? Yeah. It's really, it, it's, it's 19, 25, whatever it is, 25 cents send a postcard. That's it. That's all, no matter who you are. Of course, the size of the piece of mail matters, but you're talking anywhere between, let's say 25 cents and the, let, let's just say the range is 25 cents to 250, like 10 X range, right? Mm-hmm. Well, some of these you know, ads cost is it could vary way more than 10 X. It could go from 15 cents to 50 bucks. Like it's exactly insane and it's variable and you don't have any insights into what it is. And apparently there've been a lot of like shenanigans on retargeting and they're like, well, we think that, you know, like right modeling, right. Mod, the model, like you've heard of that. You're just like, great. Like, I don't know if I'm actually hitting the right folks. Yeah. You're, you bring up a really good point, which is that the price of a stamp is fixed. And so, I mean, our Black Friday, we're we're talking in January now, we just came out of Black Friday. It was massive for our e-commerce customers because uh, they they knew that the price of the CPCs were going to get so jacked up because that is when everyone is pouring money into into the auctions, right? So how were they going to reach their customers and promote their Black Friday sales in a way that it was actually far less costly than uh, than they were going to pay even through a social media ad. I mean, you're competing with everybody at that point, and prices get jacked around every, kind of all the major holidays. They get jacked if you're trying to reach a specific demographic. We talked about earlier, you've got a premium demographic of, say, Females of a certain age, 25 to 45, you know, that's that's considered desirable. And so you're going to pay more to reach them. Uh, you know, so how this, this is with postcards, your price is fixed. You're not, there's no inflation over holiday periods. There's no additional cost because you want to target a more desirable audience. You can really do this surprisingly cost effectively. Um, and, and that's why the returns are, are really good. Right. And that's, but that's, I mean, you definitely have to have obviously their address and if they're existing customers. So, right. So, so that should be one caveat to 
that we should we should say. I mean, clearly you have to have a good list. I mean, you can buy lists, of course, of those demographics right. and they they're with their addresses and everything. And you know, when when I was working with Sutro, which is the uh, automated water testing for your pool, it, you know, you could buy lists of addresses of people who own pools, which sure. everyone that's ever gotten, you know, uh, a postcard in the mail from some random company, that's how they get your address. <laughs> I mean, that's sure. all public record. And if you physically have an address and, and they can even tell you, oh, you've got a pool, you don't have a pool, how much you're, co-? I mean, there's a whole interesting demographic from a, you know, a cold mailer point of view. Um, although right. some of them, like we were talking about before, Bed Bath & Beyond just rocks that because like they know when you move and they know this and they, you know, you constant. I mean, anyone's ever gone to Bed Bath & Beyond, you know, those coupons work because right. everyone's flipping through. I mean, they just cr- crush it on that. And again, it's the, re- I think it's those repeat business scenario. I mean, when you look at some of these coupons we used to get, like, you know, $20 off, $30 off, $50 off. It's like, wow, like you're a, that's how much, literally that's how much it costs to acquire the customer. I'm sure some, you know, multiple of that. Um, but that's how valuable <laughs> you are. And, and then you go to digital, you know, and those brands are paying for that. But, you know, like it, it's, I don't know. It's so, I, I struggle with, well, I don't struggle with it. I think I think the thing that that makes me kind of angry about digital ads, and I'm a curmudgeon on this. I think they're a waste of money, and people will disagree with me. And fine, okay, I have a I have an opinion that most people don't have. Um, because I think the reason is people don't spend the time to actually do the right amount of creative and figure out like this is part of a holistic strategy. Once I get the customer, retaining the customer is way more important than getting a new customer. And it's like a spray and pray model, which just doesn't work over the long run. I mean, maybe you can spend money from, you know, get 20, $50 million from a VC and do it. And maybe you got to prove your market. Like you talked about, there's like a barbell thing. You're new, it's effective. Then you have this long stretch where there's like, oh my God, you're wasting money. And then once you hit scale, you can clearly then play with the big boys. But this, these creative things like what you guys are doing over at Postpilot seem to be like a really like innovative, but not, I mean, back to basics, like how, how do we, as a smaller company or as a brand, like you said, making, you know, a million in, in annual recurring revenue or million to 10 million, you know, you're not huge, but you're, you're making something. How do we really lock in that long-term value and that customer loyalty? Because I'm assuming more loyal customers will bring in their friend. My, my hypothesis is if you've got really happy customers, they'll tell their buddies. Yeah. And I'm 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 assuming that some of the some of the more savvy ones will be like, hey, here's a coupon you can give to your friend or whatever. Cause they, you know, they would they would people would do that back in the day too. So what do you think is the next level of this? I mean, you mentioned doing like bulk email, like cold mailing, but I mean, are there are there some things you guys are working on that you could mention? Cause I'm I'm fascinated to see how this is going to kind of scale. Sure. Yeah, so our handwritten technology is kind of the newest development, and that's been really, really well received. Um, and so that's some of the next steps that we're thinking about start to move a little bit more up funnel. So again, we 
we like to, we don't necessarily recommend doing this cold out blanket outreach. Every door, uh, every door mailing is a term that's used by USPS where to your point, you just buy, you essentially buy the list of addresses and blanket them. Maybe if you're Bed Bath and Beyond and you're you've got a million different products in your store and you're serving every local market, that that's one thing. But for most businesses that have you know direct to consumer businesses, that's not a great strategy. But what is a great strategy is to continue to identify customers or prospects that raise their hand and say, "I've shown interest in your brand and in your products." If we can. Uh, identify who some of those website visitors are even before they've made their purchase, but have at least shown a level of intent that suggests that they're actively engaged and interested in your product. That gets really interesting too, where now it's much more relevant uh, and there's a much higher likelihood that you're going to get really good ROI. And it's going to be on the customer acquisition side, not just the retention side. But yeah. same sort of thing. If you're relying on kind of retar- just retargeting ads, that's getting harder and more expensive. But, you know, you're doing it because you know these customers have, have raised their hand and showed interest in you and, and you paid to bring them to your site the first time. How do you make sure to maximize the value of that initial traffic that you paid to acquire? It's through kind of retargeting. And if we can make it easier to add direct mail as another viable channel to allow you to do that, uh, I think that gets really interesting. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool to figure that out. Like someone visits your website, they're quote unquote, I mean, I don't know how you get their address or maybe you just say, hey, we'll we'll send you some free gift or whatever. I don't know. Huh. That's super interesting. Because see, remember free samples? I don't, I mean, you're, yeah, yeah. I don't know how yeah. old you are, but I remember used to get all the like Captain Crunch or checks in the mail. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, I mean, they would bulk send that. And then of course there was a coupon, but I'm, I'm, oh, I wonder if that's a really interesting way. I wonder if e-commerce sites will start giving away like free gifts or free samples, like, Hey, let's, we'll send you a free sample. And then right. boom, you've got it. Huh. There's uh we're working on some interesting technology. Ah, so you can't, you are, you just can't tell me. Ah, I get it. I get it. I get we're, it. It's on the roadmap and you'll, you'll be the first to hear. Oh, cool. It. Yeah. Cool. Cool. It's, cool. Uh, we, we've got some interesting ideas for how to, how to start getting, um, capturing more of that audience that maybe hasn't made a purchase yet, but get starting with the lowest, the lowest hanging fruit, understanding customer behavior when they've, what they've bought, when they've bought, how much they've spent, and then targeting uh, a card to go out that's really personalized and relevant to them can, is just a, you're consistently seeing these really high return on ad spend values um, across such a diverse uh, number of industries and, and markets. It's been, it's been really fun watching, especially over Black Friday when we just saw so many different companies in so many different businesses using it uh, and then watching the results come in for them was um, you know, just really rewarding and val- further validating for us. Yeah, no, that's really cool. That's really cool. So what questions do you think the next generation of entrepreneur should ask themselves? Like, what, what, what do you think someone's coming up? You know, they're like, okay, I want to do this gig. What, what are some of the questions they should ask themselves? I think, this has probably been said before, but if if not now, when? 
when is the when's the better time to do this? Because I know I went through the same thing. It's okay. Well, you know, we I, I'm I'm thinking about I'm not well established enough yet, or I'm thinking about getting married, and then it's I'm thinking about having kids, and then it's there's always going to be there's always going to be reasons not to do it. You will never run out of reasons not to do it, but you know, if not now, then when is going to be that better time? And if you can't, if you don't have a good answer, maybe, maybe make the leap and and try it. And, you know, we're, everybody has failures too. And, uh, and they're, they're great learning experiences. And, you know, the biggest companies turn failures into successes because they learn something from it. So, um, you know, don't be afraid to, don't be afraid to, to fail if that's what's holding you back, but, uh, don't let, don't let, you know, whatever's going on in your life be the, the one excuse to, to not give it a try because it'll just be another one right behind it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. That's so true. Well, Michael, Mike, so thankful that you took time out of your vacation in Mexico to, to talk yeah. with us today. And uh, such a cool idea. Like I'm really, really super keen on this and really interested in like how it's going to evolve because I just, I'm kind of with you on this whole retention thing. Not a lot of people think about it as much. They want to do it, but they're usually always worried about like, I, I always call it North of by actually Ravi, my my partner in the story funnel thing calls it North of by everyone worries about North of by, but no one worries about South of by South of by is the whole like retention and advocacy and stuff like that. And this seems like a great, great way to do that. So thanks for your time. Have a great uh, vacation and uh, stay safe. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much, Michael, for being on the show. Uh, What an eye opening uh, discussion (laughs) about of all things, mail, which I think has been around for, I don't know, a couple of hundred years. (laughs) I don't even know. Anyway, Now, as promised, here are some actionable insights that I learned from my interview with Michael. Don't discount the importance of customers who have already bought from you. Be creative in figuring out how ways to reach them. By developing a strategy to keep customers, not just to track them, you'll get ahead of the competition. And yeah, I mean, this is an important thing. I think um, Ravi, uh, my co-founder of the Story Funnel, he always talks about the north of buy and south of buy experience. And that south of buy experience is actually retention uh, of customers. So ask yourself, what can I do to uh, retain my customers? What can I do to make them advocates, actually? I think spending more time, you know, making superstar customers probably is going to be a lot better than just, you know, getting the randos out there in the world. But try it out. The advantage of using direct mail, postal charges are the same, whether it's a holiday season or whether you're mailing to a specific demographic or not. While direct mail is absolutely more expensive than email, when it's done right, it can be a lot more effective. Now, this might seem counterintuitive. In fact, we talk a little bit about maybe the demographics of people that like mail or not like mail. Turns out, if done right, apparently everyone likes to get mail. And the beautiful thing is it gets delivered no matter what. You don't have to worry about all these, you know, Google saying it's spam or, you know, or an ad or whatever. So ask yourself the question, uh, which of my customers um, should I send direct mail to? What sort of campaigns should I test out and test out? I mean, that's the only thing you can do. Just see if it works. It may not work for you, but 
If you've got someone's physical address and you're sending them stuff, chances are you could probably send them a postcard and it'll help retain them. If you're wondering if you should make the jump into entrepreneurship, ask yourself, if not now, then when? Michael says that we can always find an excuse. So in most cases, the time is always now. And if you fail, you know what? It's all part of the learning process. And I, I love this. I mean, why not? What's, what's, the, what's the real challenge at times? I mean, yeah, it's scary. Yeah, you may fail. But I mean, try a side hustle. Do something. If you, if you want to try, try. I mean, now more than ever, it's actually not that hard. It's not as hard as you think. I mean, we talk about it all the time about doing a side hustle, about like really understanding learning. I mean, you know, you could get on Gumroad and do an e-commerce business. You could, you know, do a class over at uh, Udemy or wherever. Like you, you could try. So ask yourself, what can I try as a side hustle to see if I really like entrepreneurship? Even if it takes like less than 10% of your time, even if it takes just a day a week, even, well, a couple hours on the weekend, just try it. So there you have it. The actionable insights that I learned from my awesome interview with Michael. As always, thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list, by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur, and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA, and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.